Welcome to Meet an African Pastor podcast. My name is Anthony Seitzma, and in this podcast, I interview different African pastors so that people around the world can hear about what their lives are like and pray for them. And most importantly, this gives all of us an opportunity to learn from the African church. Thank you for listening. Welcome, Boima. It's good to be talking to you again after a long time. I'm grateful that you are willing to be on this podcast. Let's start by having you share your name and where you are located, and you can tell us about your family. Okay, quickly. My name is Boima Mason, Boima M. Mason. Uh, uh, I reside in present right now in Liberia, West Africa. I am married with three girls, three I have three girls who have blessed me with. Uh, so we are here in Liberia, my family and I, we are here in Liberia doing ministry, trying to reach our own people here in Liberia. Personally, uh, I'm pastoring, I'm, the, I'm a pastor of the Hilltop Citizens Church. It is located in the place called Zubatown, Bainsford City. Uh, this is a newly established church have been uh this is this is just a one year uh they've been around for one year uh, and god has blessed us so much we have the membership of close to 150 person right now so god just bless us uh with our little church and we are there working uh dead and trying to reach god's people with the, with the gospel sharing the gospel with them and trying to meet some physical needs that they are really in, in dying need of. So God has been so good. And so, uh, but we also look forward in doing more and reaching not only just the community, but beyond the community uh, that the church is located. So as we speak right now, we have three churches that is located in a, city, a place called Bommy County, uh, which is these three churches came on us to be able to nurture them and we are the mother church for them. So we have an obligation where we have pastors that honor us that are not theologically inclined, but we are trying to reach them with the gospel and try to move them to be able to handle the scripture clearly and to be able to you know, preach the gospel in their locality they find themselves. So this is what we are doing right now here in Liberia. Uh, thank you so much for that ministry. Can you tell us your testimony about how you came to know Christ? And then from there, you can also tell us how God called you to become a pastor. Yeah, quickly. Uh, again, uh, I came to know Christ uh, in 1979. All right. I really just knew him, but in that interpersonal relationship was not really there. I, I knew about God, but I really never knew God, all right? Until after three to four years, and I was invited to a revival. That's all, not revival, but a, a, a crusade. And at that crusade, uh, there were, I truly met the Lord. The Lord convicted me and I accepted him. And I went, uh, you know, got baptized after moving through the basic uh, training that one need to go through. I got baptized. And since then, my life got transformed 
and uh, many souls and that you know got saved after we also experienced uh, the interpersonal relationship with God, and we were able to share that as well. And it brought me a great passion for the love of God and the love of our fellow our fellow brothers and sisters that were around me. And it is from that point the court of God came upon me. And I couldn't rest. I had to pursue to be able to equip myself better. And I found myself in a seminary at a time. All right. And uh, after so many years, I enrolled at a seminary, a Baptist seminary, and I graduated from there. Then I had an opportunity uh, to serve in a Baptist church, the oldest Baptist church in the country. I went through the ranks and fire of the church. I mean, uh, I serve in our church. That church was a stepping stone for me. Uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, they engaged me into what ministry is all about. And I appreciated that as so greatly. And this is something I will never forget about because they really did a, a great thing for me when I was in our church. And I appreciate that, appreciated that. So, but anyway, I left and went to the States and I continued my studies and I graduated from there and I came to seminary and I came back home, began to serve my people. And then I was called to pastor a little church. Though I never had a passion to go and pastor a church. I, know, I really never wanted to pastor a church. I just wanted to be in a church where I can be able to give my services, and working alongside with the pastors and lift his hands up, you know. But then God has his own plan and, and God just picked me up when the need came, said, oh, I want you to go and pastor this church. Even though there were a couple of churches that called me to pastor then, uh, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna pastor in the church. But from my experience of uh, engaging people all those stuff and uh, God said, no, I mean, you gotta come and do this. And I, I had to listen to the call of God and then that, took on the smaller church that was struggling. They were in a uh, small building that was not owned by them. And God took me there. And my family and I was there. We served there. In a period of six months, we were able to acquire land for the church. And this church now has a land for themselves. But it was a Baptist church. That church was not planted by me. It was planted by another pastor that I came in to be able to assist. It was it is an extension ministry of his church. So, but then all of a sudden we had to leave to another court. God called us to another smaller church that I'm present in now called Hilltop Citizens Church. It's present in, uh, located at the Zubatan Peaceway community. Uh, 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 so they were they were right now serving my family and I we are serving. And there are a lot of things that we are doing, not only just in the church, but outside the church, so that we can be able to reach as many persons we can reach with the gospel in a holistic way. That's what we are doing right now. Yeah, thank you so much. You mentioned uh, that you actually didn't want to be a pastor, at least at one time, um, but if, then God called you to be a pastor. Um, I'm just wondering what, what made you not want to be a pastor before? and today um what do you enjoy about being a pastor 
what surprises have you had? You know, you didn't want to do it before, but now God called you to do it. Are there are there things that you really enjoy about being a pastor today? Actually, let me just be honest with you. Um, my background in terms of Baptist, you know, uh, it, this is a sad thing, and I just hope that people will not see the negative side of it. One of the things people people need to be very careful for when uh, when young people are growing up, especially leaders of the church of churches, need to need to be very careful with that. The way you would treat people, it, it will kind of encourage them, motivate them to either press forward. If God is not with them, they would be so discouraged and never want to pursue what they, what they are called to do. I was being um, marginalized so many times in my local church and in the denomination. And I felt so down. I felt, in fact, for the matter of fact, the way members were treating pastors, the pastor was being marginalized, other pastors being marginalized. They were not being respected. Uh, but when the pastors leave and go to other churches, they hold it in the hardest thing. And it was so discouraging where, for instance, when I left and I went to the States for studies, my family left home and they were home in Liberia, but the church was not catering to them. That was so discouraging. And But this is the church that wanted me to come and give them, give them as full services and other reasons. So looking at all of those, all of experiences that I have gone through with, with, with church leaders, some church leaders that I work alongside with. And I'm not saying this to say that, well, uh, they are not good people, they are, but I, I want to believe somewhere, somehow, they, they allow self to enter them and proud to enter them to be able to marginalize other lay ministers or other workers that work alongside with them. So for that reason, in my own human flesh, I felt that, well, I no wanted to be uh, treated the way other pastors were being treated. And so I kind of run away from that. I said, no, I don't want to be in that era. Because I, I'm now someone who like fighting over position or fighting over stuff. So I said, no, I don't want to, I don't want that. So I ran away a lot. In fact, when I, when I returned from the States, there were three to four churches that called me. The pastor, then I said, no, I'm not doing that. But just to see myself in a little church, you know, and God is saying, been running away from a long time. I, I got this church. You can't, you can't escape it. I, you got you to come in and, and be able to serve. And I went there, and, and interestingly, I felt good, and I felt bad sometimes. And the people that were leading, uh, some of them were, it's like, it kind of reminded me about the children of Israel when Moses took them from Egypt and carried them, and they began to complain a lot, complain a lot. And Moses began, in the kind of temperament he had, he could not even see the promised land because of this thing uh, of the children of Israel, of their, you know, not following the instruction of God. And so it, it, had, it got a joy in it, but at the same time, it has a lot of pain in it. But the end result, you know, God in is being glorified. And it, it just opened my eyes to, to put on a different glasses to be able to see that not to see the human being as human being, but to see beyond that human being that there is a spirit that is leading, that the spirit of, we live in a spirit world that controls the evil that man craving after. And so 
as as solid that way. I, I wish I maybe to even embrace it as my brothers and sisters that we can work together despite our differences, but we can still work together. So that kind of build my jaw or to be able to serve them today. It, it is not a perfect thing, but at the end result, we we become one family and accept accepted one family, accept ourselves as one family to, to be able to serve one another faithfully. So and, and the end result is that for God's name to be glorified. Not any man, not even my name, but for God's name to be glorified. So I, that's where the joy is. But in terms of serving men and to please them, uh, it's, it's, dis, it's discouraging. Sometimes you think that you're doing the best for them, but uh, they, they see you as a bad person. But at the end, as long God is being glorified and he is pleased with the, with the work that one does, that's, that's it. It does not matter what is, you know, what people feel about you. But at the end result, God's name must be glorified and he should be the one, the primary focus in our ministry. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, thank you so much. <clears throat> thank you so much for sharing about that. Um, I was thinking about uh, one of the, so those challenges you mentioned uh, being a pastor are certainly true. I think all over the world, the joys and the pains. Um, one of the other common challenges, especially in East Africa where I am, is that pastors are often not financially uh, supported. Um, they might be respected, but not financially supported. How is it for you? Do you get financial support or do you have to do other work uh, during the week to support your family? Actually, that, that's, a, that's a very big challenge. <clears throat> that is a very big challenge, you know, in terms of for uh, pastor being supported. What I, what I observed over the years, uh, um, pastors who that comes out, uh, that plant churches and the newly established churches are coming up, you know, in this uh, era. Uh, most of the pastors will come to plant churches as the churches, when, it is, when the churches are down, when they are not making money, it's not coming, or resources are not coming. You see the, you see the pastor being very humble and to their late, you know, to their honor man, uh, they become very humble. As soon as, you know, the table turn around and it becomes uh, promising, then those who are honor that pastor, the senior pastor, they are not being taken care of. And that has been a struggle. And, and it's, it's here in Liberia. Uh, you find out that most of our pastors, the bishops, the, the general overseers, you see, they want to ride the best vehicles. They want to live in the best home. They want to have everything for themselves. I mean, that is not a bad thing. But someone who's working on you, they must be taken care of because they have their family to, to take care of. They have other stuff to take care of. They have to pay their rent when they are, when they are renting a house. They have to send their children to school. They have to find food for their family. And most of the time, these things are not being taken care of. And so, and the, the proceeds that come into the church is not enough uh, to be able to take care of everybody. And so for this reason, you find many pastors are barely making it. They have to go out there and fest for additional work to do something to be able to get food and to be able to get the build 
for the, the home bills and take care of all the bills. And I mean, it's just something that drives you away from being focused wholly and solely on the word of God. And so as a result, you found out that some of the pastors become real fake. They're not real, they, they are not real. Uh, they, they compromise the gospel easily because of few datas. So uh, if someone come right now and just get a few dollars, they, they compromise the gospel. I mean, so, and that's, that, that is what's eating us as African leaders, as African pastors. If we can just stop by and say, you know what, uh, let us divide the resource. It may not be 100%, but let's divide the resource so that those who are working on us, they can be satisfied a little bit. And then you will see a lot will be done. And that's why you see some people even recognize some pastors, uh, they are living from one church to another. They live from this place to another. Members are living from here to another area. And they guess over the place because of the kind of treatment. And you even have the treatment that other pastors receive from their colleagues uh, that consider themselves the same pastors. It's so bad to the point where you have a lot of people that are sitting home, they are not going to church because of the kind of treatment they receive from senior pastors. And that is so bad. And we think we need to kind of revisit this to see how best uh, the universal church or people can see or maybe come up with something. How do we solve this kind of problem? How do we engage the kind of thing to be able to help? Because I kind of see it as being greed, greeted, they have that spirit of greed. And if that spirit of greed enter anyone, definitely it can't be God's spirit. It must be a selfish spirit, only for yourself and your family. And we need to move. And so, resources here in uh, Africa is so limited. But I think the little resources that God has blessed us with, we kind of use it wisely. We can accomplish a lot. Yeah, definitely. So, are you? Working at another job, are you teaching at a school? Is that right? Yeah, I am presently teaching at the Carboard Christian University. Uh, I'm teaching there, and uh, I'm also, uh, yeah, that's the only school right now I'm teaching. I was teaching the two schools, but I turned that one over because I had a school that I'm running. Uh, uh, my wife and I established a school on the oral and then what we are in this is the third the third academic year and we've been focusing basically is that school which you know we asked me i'll be able to discuss a little bit about that going god called us what what is it that and the foundation how we started all that you know to be able to engage and meet the needs of the little kids in the community yeah tell tell us more about that school and um how you got that started with your wife okay okay quickly uh this is how it started uh i think you can remember uh anthony when i was in the states uh, uh at the time the christian reform war mission at the time or the new world war mission at the time they were looking for a Cerulonians to go back home and to do a a, a survey in their own home regarding the ministry. Though the Reformed Church had an NGO running in Sierra Leone at the time. 
so they could not find any several unions. So I was recommended by the seminary and the Business Reform World Mission at the time they met me. We had a meeting and I said, yes, I will be waiting to go to Severn. And then I said, well, I, I already lost my wife to join me. So I was able to have gone for that internship uh, uh, in Severn. So the Christian Reform Royal Mission and Cabin Seminary, uh, you know, bought my ticket and they did everything. And I came and collected my wife. My wife and I went to Severn. We were served there on a short train as missionaries. And my wife is a nurse. <clears throat> so she was serving in a place called Kabbalah. And I was training pastors all in the villages, getting pastors and church workers and doing a great job there. And our report from there, we went back to the States and we saw it and I displayed my report and I told the Christian Reform World Mission. Because of the report that we did and the work that we did there and um, today, in Severn, they have so many churches dead. Though the missionaries were dead as well, Paul Paul was dead, and uh, I mean he he really carried me through. And Paul and John John Pitty was in Severn at the time, so we all worked together. So there, where the Lord opened my eyes, you know, when the Lord opened my eyes in Severn, when I came back to Liberia, I said, "Wow, what I saw." can be applied right in Liberia. So while I was in the States, I was preparing to come back home, all of those things. Uh, I engaged the Christian Reform World Mission. I said, well, can we start this work in Liberia? But then my home church that I came from was not willing uh, to endorse that from the work alongside the Christian Reform World Mission. So for that reason, they, they did not, you know, they never accepted my, my call or my plead. And uh, so I came back to Liberia. So I started working, you know, doing what I was able to do. Then uh, my wife and I established a ministry called the Holistic International Ministry. This ministry is a parish church organization. So we engage into farming and we have a farm that going on right now. And then uh, after a while, then Ebola came in uh, and sucked a lot of stuff from us. We lose a lot of money and family members die from us. And if, for the matter of fact, my, my daughter, I have four girls. One of my daughter passed off. So it get, broke me apart, you know. Oh, so I get decided, I said, no, let me just shut everything down and just go mm -hmm. back for reflection. And I shut everything down and I began to reflect. Uh, after a couple of years, I decided, you know what? My wife and I said, okay, you know what? Let's start this program where we can engage young girls in the community where we're living. Girls were just getting pregnant. I mean, teenagers now, they were just getting pregnant. What do we do to be able to engage them? So we started engaging them. My wife started engaging them, teaching them about their skills, how to prevent themselves. How to reserve themselves and wait for the ref, ref time when they get when they get married before they get you know they get pregnant all that kind of stuff. We started off, and then our living room gets got so crowded up. We started with three girls and got crowded up to almost close to fifty to seventy five girls. So we decided, okay, we'll build a place to start something to be able to accommodate more girls. And then we did a survey in the community when the community 
while doing a survey, we realized that the little kids, many kids were in the community were not in school. And parents could not afford anything to have their kids in school. They could not even afford a daily meal. So my wife and I sat down and we began to praise God. If you truly want us to go into this, to be able to educate the kids here in this community, please provide the means. And God started providing some means for us. Today, I'm sorry you are not here in Liberia, but if you see what the Lord has done, it will blow your mind. Um, God has established a school, and uh, we have a school here in Liberia. We have from daycare all over to fourth grade, and we are growing our own students. And next, hopefully, after the next academic year, we'll go to fifth grade and we're going to sixth grade and just did that. How many students name Right now, we have uh, about 200 plus students right now. Wow. Yeah. And the academic really year fast. just started. But we are faced with, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much five. The, first, the very first year, we had 110 students. The second year, we had 200 plus students. This year, we are approaching about 200, 275 students, all right? So we are growing very fast, but then we are running out of space and the space is dead, but we are running, we do not have the funding to erect additional rooms and all of those things. So many parents are knocking our doors every day. They are coming to us, begging us to have the kids to be enrolled, enrolled in the school. And we are trying to squishing ourselves in many ways to be able to help these people. In fact, we, we launched a scholarship fund drive where we can give some financial aid to many kids. So right now we have close to 20 kids that we, have, we, are, we are giving financial aid and scholarship. And we intend to do this more that we can be able to reach all of the kids that will enter the school that we can find financial aid for them. Because many of the, many of the parents, where the kind of situation we find ourselves in, the economy is so bad financially, Many, many kids, parents are not working. They barely make it, and they are coming and just begging us. So we, 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 we and God, God is touching the hearts of a lot of people to be a blessing. But we are still faced with lots of challenges in terms of our resources uh, to pay the teachers. Though we are charging small fees, fees that uh, cannot really uh, uh, pay you know, for, for real professional teachers, but we are paying what we can pay for now. We're talking to them and, you know, engaging them and God have blessed us with some good teachers and we have to pay them every month. At the end of every month, we have to pay them. So this is where we are right now. In fact, our staff have increased up to 15 persons, 15 of staff we have that we cater to every month, we cater to them. So. And there are so many challenges right now that we are faced with. But we are not deterred. Yeah, we are not deterred. We, we keep moving forward and trying to do the best we can to meet the needs of our official leaders for tomorrow. Yeah, you're definitely feeling a need in the community. I was wondering if the government recognizes what you're doing and do they ever give support to schools like yours? Unfortunately, the government recognized all by paper, by documents. We are legally uh, uh, operating, legally, 
but in terms of uh, resources, in terms of uh, uh, providing subsidies, no, the government is not doing that. The government is not providing no subsidies right now. No. Okay. But in terms of having legal document to operate, yeah, we have all of those documents. Okay, let's uh, switch gears here for a minute, just to ask you a few quick questions for fun. Um, what's your favorite book of the Bible and why? <laughs> I have so many fears for fear of a book. Actually, John, and uh, St. John chapter, in the, in the, the, the book of John. Mm -hmm. And every time when I read this book, whoo, it blow my mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I got so many favorite books, but John is is my book. Yeah, I love John. Okay, good to know. Um, what about uh, a recent sermon that you've preached in your church? What did you, what chapter did you preach from? What what were some of your points? Uh, just to give people who are listening a flavor of you know what they might hear in your church. Actually, the uh, just recently, I preached. Um, actually, I came from the book of Malachi, in chapter ten. Um, Malachi chapter uh, chapter chapter three from verse ten, which where speaks about you know uh, bringing all the time to the storehouse so that so that there can be meat mm -hmm. in my house. You know, I preached actually about the topic that I preached on was can men rob God. And that was the topic of prison. And in that particular message, I pointed out how men can rob God in many ways. Not only in ties, but we can rob God with time. The time that we have, we can rob him from it. The time that we so put in for God, in his services, we rob him from it. We also rob God from not only just money, but for instance, uh, uh, services, the services I should, should give to the church, or services I should be able to reach out to people, uh, to be able to uh, meet the needs of other people. Just services, common services in the church where people do not want to avail themselves to work any longer. If volunteer thing is slipping away from the church, people want to, when people work in the church, definitely they want you to give them money right away. They are not seeing it as a service, you know, they are not seeing it as a ministry, but they're seeing it as a means of generating funding. And people rob God from that, you know. Uh, and God is saying, test me and see if I will not open the windows of blessing for you. Try me and see if, if I will not be a blessing to you. God is, God want to bless us, but we need to do our part. We need to play our part and play it very well. And need a rest with God. God, God is willing every time to, to be a blessing to us. But whenever we be, reach the place where we are robbing, robbing God and, and robbing ourselves from the from the blessing of God, definitely we find ourselves in a state where we become very stagnant, we can't move, and sometimes it appears like God is not concerned about us. But God is always there. He is always concerned. That's what he said. He will never leave us nor forsake us. But our deeds have made us to think that God 
has forgiven us, for, forsaken us, has forgotten about us, and he is not concerned. And God is always in the business of meeting his children needs. But we are to look back and say, God, thank you. I'm here to give my services. I'm here to serve you faithfully. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not here to rob you. I'm not here to, to rob my brothers and sisters from what, be, what belonging to them. So I preach from that, you know, punching all those things. Yes, yeah. your tithe is very important because we are commanded to do that. We are to give, you know, to the work of God so that those in the church who will be in need, that their needs can be met. But if we do not do that, all right, you will be robbing God and robbing your fellow man. Yeah, that's a very helpful summary for us to think about. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as you are a very busy man, I can tell, uh, running a school, teaching, and pastoring, uh, when you need to take a rest and you want to spend some time with your family or just do something by yourself for fun, what kinds of things do you enjoy doing? Oh, right, good. Um, and to, to be frank with you, um, once in a while, it's not all, all the time, but once in a while, I, I, I take my wife out, you know, and especially on a Sunday, where got our services is very early, right? We leave, we go to church very early by 7.30, we have services. And so by the nine o'clock, service is over, nine o'clock in the morning. And then we have the rest of the time, okay? And some will come and rest ourselves a little bit. And then I will take my wife out and spend some time together. And the pastor that we should not working together, who is the lead pastor, uh, we kind of shared, you know, the pulpit in terms of preaching. So the, the time I'm not preaching, or the week that I'm not preaching, I have some time off to go and 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 refresh my mind. And when the time he is not preaching, he have that time to go and refresh his mind. But a matter of fact, uh, uh, next week Friday will be just going the two family, his family and my family will just be going to refresh our mind, just sit and get reflect. And, and try to try to look at ministry from a holistic form. What do we do to be able to help ourselves spiritually and physically to strengthen ourselves? But uh, you know, when you look at ministry here in Liberia and Africa with the limited resources that people have here, uh, you don't know where you will get a fresh meal from the next day. You you don't want to rest, you just want to go, go for things, go for stuff and because if you don't do that, your home will be dried. You, you will not have food to eat. So you have to go and, you know, and, and seek after and look for things to be done. But that, is, that alone, it, it, it breaks down the body. So we're trying to find ways to be able to rest ourselves sometime. Uh, I just say, uh, I have gathered some men and women around me already and have taught them to be able to take responsibility of things. And so right now, I'm free, I can go to places and just take a little rest without now even thinking about who would do what because I have trained certain people to take responsibility and I trust them and they are carrying on the way. As I'm speaking to you right now, I'm home talking with you. I'm not at a school, I'm not in, uh, at a church, I'm home. I'm just 
resting myself. Hmm. Sounds like you have some good, yeah. good structures and, and boundaries and, and delegation. That's excellent. Um, tell us more about your prayer habits and reading God's word. What are some of your daily or weekly routines? Okay. Uh, for the matter of fact, every day I have a quiet time. My quiet time is around about three o'clock in the morning. Every day I have a quiet time with the Lord. At that time, I take that time to reflect and pray more. Uh, and then I also um, take that time to also meditate on the word of God. So I do that by three in the morning. Reason being, I do not have the time in the day to do that. And a lot of traffic is coming. People coming and engaging you. And a lot of distraction. So at that time in the morning, I take that time off to pray, to read the word of God, and to meditate on God's word. Do you get any sleep before that? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Normally, in terms of time, we be very frank. I don't take the whole the whole time. I take roughly about an hour, all right? So I go to bed very early. I go to bed very early and then uh, get up by three and spend uh, maybe about for the five more close to an hour doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Um, that is the, my routine every every day. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really wanted to ask you is about your time in the United States, because I think there's something so fruitful about getting new experiences and seeing what the church is like in other places. Um, so uh, during your time in the in the U.S. and even now, as you think back. Uh, what are some things that you appreciated about Christians or the or the church um, in the U.S. and in, in obviously you didn't meet all all types of Christians in the U.S. but at least those who you you were with. What are some things you appreciate? And then what are some things that you sense that American Christians could learn from Liberian Christians or from African Christians in general? So just looking at the different ways we can learn from, from one another, what reflections do you have on what African Christians can learn from American Christians and, and vice versa? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a brilliant question you ask. And I will take my own time to be able to answer that question. In the first place, when I arrived in the U.S., um, I was so... Uh, I thought I was in a place where, in fact, the notion that we have here in Africa, especially Liberia, Liberia and some Liberian live from here go to America, this is, America is almost like heaven. You know, everything is just flowing. You know, when you go there, you just come right on your lap. Unfortunately, that's, that was not the case. <laughs> so when I got there, and uh, the first thing I did was to find myself in a church. And the first, first church that I went to was Madison Square Church. And uh, I had a wonderful time there. Oh, the, the church has a lot of loving and caring people. A lot of loving and caring people. I saw the love of God from the people. I mean, when I reflected on what they were doing for me and what I saw them doing, 
not mean it just for me alone, but what I guess saw them demonstrating, I, I kind of reflected that back home. Can we use such a love to be able to reach out to our people back home? Where people, you know, the church, what I saw, I saw structure, it was well structured and everything, everyone knew exactly what to do. And when people come to the church, they knew exactly where to go, what, what it was sent to, everything was just structured in that way. And I saw that was a beautiful thing. So as a result, if you have any spiritual, spiritual needs or physical needs, those things are met, all right? But on the other hand, I also saw uh, some of the believers, all right? They were not, they were not, those I went to church, some of them are not, they were not really loving. They, 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 some of them actually, they did not demonstrate that. And I was shocked one time I decided, I said, I may visit another church, you know, I left Madison to visit another church. You won't believe what I, what I experienced. I went to this church, I can't, I can't remember, the, remember the church name. And that was in a different state, not in, not, it was not in the Grand Rapids. And I went to this church, I was told not to enter this church because this church was not entertained blacks in the church. So that kind of broke wow. me apart. And, yeah, and, the, and then they directed me into a church that could take a, a, a multicultural church that could mm. accept blacks in the head of the it, it broke me apart. I said, wow. Yeah, for sure. Does God really live in this church? Yeah. You know, but again, and that was my first experience. So I did not conclude in my mind that, you know, American, and I can tell you something, not because you're, you are you're my brother and friend, Americans, they are God-sent people. God sent them. They may not be 100%, but they are people that normally come to the rescue, not only to an individual, but a rescue, they become a rescue to the whole world. And I saw that among the blacks, among the white. And they are loving. I came across a lot of loving people, a lot of people. For the matter of fact, uh, they, the school, the name, the name the school has right now, uh, it is an uh, American person name that I named the school. Why did I do that? Uh, a friend of mine who is an American living in the state of Maine, I came across him, the law connected both of us, and came across him. And he invited me to his house. I was in Minnesota doing my academic training, and then I flew in on one of means. And what I was there, and his, his mother, she was about 90, 91 years old, and she was living on oxygen. She could not leave from the oxygen and, and cheer to come for a couple of months. For the very first time she saw me, she was able to get up and started walking from that oxygen chair. And the son sat there and looked at me and said, wow, something must be about you. And I went to her and I hugged her and we began to talk and I pulled back in the chair. And I went as a visitor to visit my friend, but I began a visitor to his mother, all right? And she begins, she opened up her mind, her heart towards me and I, I was just sitting with her. I could just see that the love of God was just flowing on her. And she began to uh, share her experience when she was a little child coming out. 
where her passion was like, she never been to Africa before. She had never been here before. And she said, so I asked her a question, if you were to have the opportunity to go to Africa, what would you really love to do? So I would love to educate the African children. I said, wow, you know, and we, we never discussed anything more than that. So after I left, I came back home. She passed away from, you know, passed off. And the son got in contact with me. Remember what my mother said to you. She would love to educate African kids. Can you name, can you do something where her name would be on it in Africa? So I said, sure. So we established a school and placed her name on the school. Macra, Peggy, Good, Memorial Christian Academy now. So that's, that's, that's how the name came on it. And it just tells you that in every nation, you will have some bad people and you will have some good people. Uh, so I can't give a, a blank statement to say, oh, Americans are 100% good or Americans are 100% bad. No, they have good people and they have good Christians. They have good pastors. And it's just a matter of you coming across the good work. But got a lot of good churches in, in America. They got a lot of good Christians in America. They got people that have the passion of God. They got people that have the love of God upon them that really want to even come to Africa. Want, they want to engage people to work with people. But they are looking for certain people, you know, to work alongside with. They have not come across them yet, you know. And work, they really want to expand their ministry to, but they have not come across such people. So, I mean, I had a lot of great experience, man. Great experience. Even at the school, I, I came across a lot of good friends, a lot of good pastors. That you, you one of them. I mean, see, through those many years, the Lord have connected her again after those many years. It, for me, I think it's just mm. the blessing of God. Yeah. When God's children are together. It doesn't matter how long. When God gets ready, He's going to connect them again. So I am so blessed. And I had a wonderful experience with the people of America. And I love the people of America. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. There's some tough reflections in there and some very encouraging reflections that 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 need us to think more deeply, deeply on. We're out of time, Boima. So I want to give you the last uh the last questions, then we'll wrap it up. Okay. So uh, at okay. the end here, I just want to give you a chance to ask for prayer. If there's any specific prayer requests you have for those who will be listening to this later. And then um, after you give any prayer requests, if there's anything else that you want to share with the listeners as an encouragement, um, anything that's on your heart, you can share that. Remember that the people listening might be your fellow pastors uh, and Christians here in the continent of Africa could be people in North America, could be people around the world. Um, so please share your prayer requests and any last uh, any last words you want to share. Okay, quickly, uh, I want to say to all my brothers and sisters around the world, um, that you please join me in prayer, pray with me and for me. As my family and I, including my lead pastor as we do ministry here in Liberia. We are looking and seeking the face of God that God will connect us with people like you. All right. Our doors, our hearts are open towards you that uh, God will be able to connect us together, that we can work together and be able to reach God's people. Does not matter where 
that we can be able to do some work together. So I want you to join me in prayer in, in doing that uh, for partnership and for you know, church ministry partnership, especially as it relates to training leaders, uh, uh, training, having wonderful time and together, church planting additional churches and, and just doing what God has called you to do. And I want you to open up your spirit, man, that when, when the Lord touch your heart, that you want to connect with us, one way you can also connect with us through Anthony. You know, Anthony can, can easily get in contact with me. And that would be a great thing. Also, we have this school that we, it's a newly established school that we're meeting the needs of little kids in the community where many of the kids are out of school. Uh, the, the people, the, the parents cannot afford and to be able to send their kids in. Remember, no child should be left behind. It is the right of every child to go to school. But we have, we are, we have so much uh, 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 limitations. We, we need school materials. We need uh, to get up to a lot of things. Uh, one of the things that many kids are coming from far distances, far, far distances, coming to our school. But we are faced with the challenge of transportation. We, we have been praying to God for God to open door where we can get a, a bus to be able to commute the kids to school and then take them back to their funeral homes. So join us in prayer. If the Lord touch your heart to, to partner with us in the mission field, maybe a short-term mission field, we will be glad to receive you that we can all work together. We also take this time to you pray with us and you, you know, send an SOR call to you if you want to come here you know, you know, for a short mission. Just let us know. We will be able to host you and take care of you and uh, why, why you're in Liberia. So join us in the spread, and it is our prayer request uh, that God will open door uh, for ministry work that we can all work together. At the end, let God's name be glorified and let he be praised. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, Boima, thank you so much for this conversation. We'll call it to an end there. God bless you as you continue yes. running that school, and God bless you and your pastoring. It's been a pleasure to hear from you. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much. And, and Anthony, I want you to please also extend my greetings to your family. And uh, I look forward to one of the days when you visit us in Liberia. And yes, rest assured, we uh, will be able to host you and to take care of you while you're in Liberia. And uh, maybe you can as one of our ambassadors. <laughs> for the history here while you are, you know, and thank you so much again, yeah, for availing yourself to come in Africa uh, to really serve and meeting the uh, many, many Africans uh, in Uganda. I mean, I look forward one day to, to come to see you in Uganda that we can all fellowship together. I mean, a lot we, we, a lot we can do together. Yeah, I can yeah, all the days, man. I certainly I can't, hope. I can't wait to see you face to face one day. I certainly hope that I can visit soon. We'll talk more after we close here. Thank you.